With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody, I'm talking to you. I ain't telling you jealous. It feels so Mark this down as one more try by Starbucks to think beyond its cups of coffee by wading into race relations. The ad campaign in partnership with USA Today is called Race Together. First thing that went through my mind that this is a form of barista torture. <laughs> Dude, you don't have to earn their trust. You're their boss. They're supposed to earn your trust. If President Obama developed athlete's foot, he would blame George W. Bush. This is the Michael Graham Show on News Radio 1067. I have to say, not a lot of optimism on this front. <laughs> Nine oh six and News Radio one oh six seven. I am Michael Graham, your host, MC, star of the show, renowned spoiler woman, known enemy of the jihad, the geekiest white guy east of the Mississippi River, and I am absolutely glorying in the morose, teary-eyed coverage of Benjamin Netanyahu's big win in Israel yesterday. Just watching CNN and MSNBC and NBC. You know, this is terrible. What happened? It's funny. I, a buddy of mine works in uh, the news industry, and apparently CNN and MSNBC both had huge news packages. Major defeat for Netanyahu. Obama's push. Republicans letting Netanyahu give speech in Congress destroyed Netanyahu. Stupidity of evil Republicans equals more stupidity of stupidness. Ah! That was their whole, like they had three hours of programming already preloaded, and they couldn't run it. Because it didn't happen. Because Benjamin Netanyahu didn't just win, he won big. And the question now is, should Netanyahu send a thank you note to Barack Obama for helping give him such a big unexpected win? It, that is the uh, the question. So you're going to hear more about that, more about what it means and how it works. The, the Israeli election system is just bizarre. It's completely bizarre. All these parliamentary systems around the world are weird, but that one is particularly weird there. Uh, and you're going to hear from Bill Crystal with the Weekly Standard and the Emergency Committee for Israel uh, coming up later in the show. When it comes to political scandal, though, you can't beat coming Georgia. I love coming. And um, why, why, why is everyone looking at me? Uh, and I think that um, the, the fact that you have this pervy old mayor who's been mayor literally since 19... Nixon was president. When Gravit, Mayor Gravit, become became mayor, and he's this old, you know, skirt chasing hack who's you know turned the city into his own little private piggy bank, and uh, uh, and he's already been caught giving free health, excuse free taxpayer funded health care to his girlfriend, even though his girlfriend is not an employee of the city. But he said, "Well, she takes care of me personally." Dude, stop bragging. So and then, so that scandal brought up the other. Scandal of the city councilor who's married to a much younger woman. What is going on and coming? And he wanted his wife to get lifetime benefits so that after he cacks, which he will any minute now, she'll you know she's you know going to live another 30, 40 years that she'll have benefits. In other words, 
it's the tax, your tax dollars in coming Georgia are treated like the uh, cookie jar full of cash that these guys can just reach into anytime they want. Well, now the latest, Mayor Gravett tried to pull a Hillary. He tried to shut down public. He didn't want the public to know what he was up to. So he threw this uh, local citizen journalist out of a city council meeting. And she warned, she said, look, dude, the law got changed. I legally have the right to be here. He had the cops. I'm not making this up. Two coming cops grab this woman, this little 90-pound woman, fling her out into the street. Well, guess what? Yesterday, now that the judges are involved, $200,000 check that the taxpayers had to stroke because of Mayor Graven. My question, seriously, why coming Georgia, why do you put up with this? It's a nice town. It's a nice place. You got surely there's got to be somebody besides this miserable old skirt chasing hack who wants to be mayor of companies. Is there someone who like wants a real job? Is there somebody, you know, who uh, only read about the Nixon administration as opposed to serving in public office during the Nixon administration who wants to be mayor of coming? So that's going to come up later on the show. But without a doubt, the number one topic of conversation everywhere I have been, this Starbucks uh, program set up by their CEO, Sergeant Schultz. And here's how it's going to work. It starts the 20th, which is Friday, which is weird that it started on Friday. The premise is, as Starbucks said on a tweet, talking about race is uncomfortable, but it's worth it. And so they're going to do, they're going to write on the side of your cup, hashtag race together, and they're going to have questions uh, in USA Today and on the sides of their cups, and they're going to ask you questions about race. Try to s- strike up a conversation while you're standing in line at Starbucks. Now, I want you to think you individually at 844-404-1067. Think about the last time you are at Starbucks. If it's like the times that I go to Starbucks, and my wife loves Starbucks, there's a line out the door. There's a line around the building. And the reason there's a line, two reasons. One is they have a lot of, there are a lot of pretentious soccer mom types and Range Rover drivers and Beamer types who would never be caught dead with anything except their Starbucks. Oh no, I'm a Starbucks kind of person. Yes. Now I'm not, I'm not anti, I, I, I like Starbucks. I, they, they do a different product from most other people. I like the harsher coffee myself. I don't get to drink much coffee. I don't, it doesn't agree with me, but so I'm not anti Starbucks from their product. But what they've done is they have turned themselves into this center of pretentious overbearingness. Well, once you're in the line at the capital of pretentious overbearing, don't you know who I am? Well, you can't just go up and order. Hi, could I have a medium black coffee? They just look. Ever tried that at a Starbucks? That's me. Can I have a medium black coffee? What? What did you order? I know. It's like I'm speaking, you know, Farsi or something. What? Because you have to know the secret Starbucks code. Every time you want to talk at Starbucks, you can't have a medium black coffee. You have to have a venti, dark roast, Aleppo, frappa, coma, something. And, and if you don't speak their code, they will not talk to you. So the reason you're in the line is, number one, everyone in the line is obnoxious. And number two, the people behind the counter are obnoxious. And so this is my question for you at 844-404-1067. Does anybody think it is a good idea? For people whose job is to fet, literally fetch me liquid beverages. I don't know how much lower in my life chain you get than the person who goes to the bucket and scoops out a drink for me. Do you want that person sparking up conversations 
about controversial issues of the day, yes or no, 844-404-1067. And what are you going to say in reply? you got to be planning ahead. It's Starbucks. We've got to keep things moving. The line's already slowing down. We gotta do- you need a pre-planned answer. I've got mine. I want to hear yours. 844-404-1067. You're also going to hear from some of the people who are pro- promoting this idea of the Starbucks uh, conversation starters. Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at noon on News Radio 1067. Starbucks is encouraging its baristas to talk to customers about race. I didn't make that up. Yeah, so far, most of the uh, race conversations end up with black customers saying, no, I don't want to buy a Josh Groban CD. <laughs> if you don't mind. Express yourself. It's 920. I am Michael Graham. If you have your answer ready for when your barista hits you with a hot cup of smug self-righteousness, please use Twitter to post it at thanks for asking Starbucks. I've got mine. And for those who haven't heard the story, the premise is that the way to get America to move forward on race relation issues is to do it when you're trying to buy a cup of coffee on your way to work. Mark this down as one more try by Starbucks to think beyond its cups of coffee by wading into race relations. The ad campaign in partnership with USA Today is called Race Together. So do you think this is a good idea? 844-404-1067. Is this going to make things better or are you now dreading or less likely to go to Starbucks knowing what's waiting for you? Now, I want to make something clear. I don't have a problem with business owners bringing their values to the workplace. That's why, unlike the average Starbucks liberal, I would never support, say, forcing devout Christian, Muslims, Orthodox Jews to participate in a same-sex wedding ceremony. And unlike a lot of typical progressive baristas, I wouldn't force an abortion opponent to pay for morning-after-abortion drugs for her employees either. But, hey, I'm not Starbucks. So Starbucks and the Starbucks types who uh, 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 love... uh, you know, uh, forcing people to violate their own values in order to do business now feel the need to force their values on you. So here's the scenario. I show up groggy and bleary eyed some Saturday morning looking for a little caffeine consolation. And I get a conversation starter from the I am somebody Starbucks flunky behind the counter. Why? Some people are saying, well, it's because of the owner. You know, uh, CEO uh, Howard Schultz has gotten involved in a lot of issues in the past, like guns and politics and budget conflicts, etc. And to be honest, there were some people who said, Howard, this is not a subject we should touch. This is not for you. This is not for a company. This is for someone else. I reject that. I reject that completely. Uh, well, as uh, Mr. Schultz tweeted out yesterday, we're going to do it because... It may be uncomfortable, but it's worth it. Dude, no, it's not. Your cup of coffee is not worth me having to go through a politically correct gauntlet of judgment from your employees. It's just a damn cup of coffee. But so why is he doing it? I don't really think it's the CEO himself. I really don't. Part of the news coverage is that he went around the country and talked to more than 2,000 Starbucks employees, went to places like Oakland, St. Louis, Los Angeles, New York, and no southern cities. I thought that was interesting. Uh, and they all said, we got to get involved. we got to get socially active. It turns out that 
Starbucks employees are the kind of people who get they they want to get meaning for their lives from their job. They want they don't. It's not just the paycheck. It's not just the benefits. And Starbucks it does have, uh, you know, relatively speaking, good benefits. And you're you can become a partner in the company. That's all great. But that's not enough. These are the kind of people who, as they're whipping up their, you know, hot quinoa sludgy with your side of fair trade fresh fruit handpicked by a third world farmer, they've got to feel like it matters. I'm important. The problem is that they serve coffee for a living. Doctors are important. Lawyers are important. The plumber who fixes my toilet so I can poop and my house doesn't stink, that's important. You are pouring a hot beverage into a cup. There is no way to make that important. So they have to be self-important. I mean, think about it. You're a profound thinker with Noam Chomsky on your bookshelf and unlistenable world music on your iPod. And you're fetching coffee for bourgeois executives and white-collar workers and affluent stay-at-home moms on their way home from Pilates. These people just don't know how brilliant you are. They don't know about your dedication to social justice, how much better a citizen of the earth you are than these paper cup non-recyclers polluting our environment by sitting at your drive-thru in their Range Rovers. I'm important. I wear the green apron. The green apron, not the red apron like McDonald's or, God forbid, the blue apron like Walmart. I'm the important green aprons. The the employees, they're the ones who have foisted this on Starbucks. You think it was interesting. I I saw uh, some people on MSNBC were saying, oh, the poor baristas. Why is the CEO doing this to them? Poor baristas. They already have to put up with ridiculous, obnoxious orders yeah. and now racism. That's the first thing that went through my mind, that this is a form of barista torture. <laughs> no, 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 you're wrong. The baristas cannot wait to interject. I mean, I want to look, look, all kinds. It's a big company. There are all kinds of people work at, at, at Starbucks. Not every employee is like this. There are plenty of Starbucks employees who are just there doing a job. They're working their way through college, and that's great. But come on. Starbucks employees are disproportionate likely to be the pseudo hipster as we pays who cannot wait to lecture you on their values versus yours. And that's why they love this race together thing. Now they've got a chance to put us, we, you know, capitalist pigs, we, you know, unthinking, we red staters, they can put us in our place. You, the great barista, you get to subtly remind us of our latent racism or Is it latent? The moral inferiority that undermines our white privilege. Race together is perfect for them because it's it's an implied question. Are you really going to race together? It's a subtle dig, an insult wrapped inside an innocuous hashtag. You are not worthy, the barista thinks as he scrawls a message across your cup. And now you know that I know you're not worthy. Well, You ain't getting my money. The first time I walk in and I get some political message directed at me as a social suspect because I'm a person of power, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to walk out the door. You're wrong, uh, uh, Schultz. You're not worth it. It's worth it. No, it's not. It's a freaking cup of coffee. I can get a cup of coffee anywhere. Do you understand that? Not us. Not our special coffee. And you know who I really love in all this? It's not the CEO who's just trying to keep his employees happy. It's not even the pretentious hipster employees of Starbucks. Who I really love are the guilty SUV driving white people 
who will drive in and take their social spanking just to alleviate their white guilt. It's it's going to be glorious. 844-404-1067 is my phone number. What will you do the first time you get ha- handed your racially aware cup of coffee at Starbucks? Do you agree with me that these are the obnoxious people behind the counter who are inflicting this on you? Is it worth it? And what is your answer going to be when the conversation starts? So, how do you feel about black people, Whitey? Do you have your pre-planned answer? I have mine. I'll share it with you coming up. I'm Michael Graham. A uh, large black coffee. A what? Large black coffee. Do you mean a venti? No, I mean a large. He means a venti. Yeah, the biggest one you got. Venti is large. No, venti is 20. Yeah. Large is large. In fact, tall is large, and grande is Spanish for large. Venti's the only one that doesn't mean large. It's also the only one that's Italian. Congratulations, you're stupid in three languages. It's 936. Oh, yeah. Michael Graham. Well, you've heard from me and you've heard from the CEO of Starbucks. I want to hear from you. 844-404-1067. What are you going to say when you walk into Starbucks and they hand you your racially aware cup of coffee? Is this a good idea? Does it fit in with what you are trying to experience when you go to your local coffee shop? Let's ask Eddie. Eddie, you're on the air with Michael Graham. Uh, Eddie's not on the air. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll uh, give, give us a call at eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven, or uh, email Michael at michaelgram dot com because I want to hear from you. Uh, someone has suggested the hashtag "shut up and pour." I'm using the hashtag "thanks for asking Starbucks" because I want you to have your answer ready to go. Now here's here's another part of this Starbucks story that drives me crazy. And no, I have no sympathy whatsoever. People are saying, oh, oh, aren't they at least trying to do the right thing? Aren't they at least trying to reach out to us? No, 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 no. They're trying to uh, make an obnoxious comment that they know just how secretly racist you are, and it's time for them to call you out on it. Along with an eight-page supplement to be published Friday, USA Today and Starbucks are putting out fill-in-the-blank conversation starters like, in the past year, I have been to the home of someone of a different race, blank time. Yeah, because I want to discuss that with you, my Starbucks person. Yes, please do. And uh, uh, how about where do you go to church? And were, oh, you don't go to church. Oh, interesting. What kind of people would be at this church if you went? And on and on and on. Uh, the problem is, the other problem, like I mentioned earlier, is that Starbucks is so stinking busy. Yeah, I go to Starbucks. There's almost always a line. Often there's a huge line. And so you need things to move along. And a couple years ago, a Starbucks in Texas had an, a midget approach them and wanted to get a job. And the manager of the Starbucks said, look, you know, obviously we, we want great employees. We don't care about you know, what you look like or how tall you are. But, but the job does have some, you know, physical, you got to be able to do stuff. Can we try it for a couple weeks and see how it works out? Well, the guy gets behind the counter and he can't reach the cups. He literally th- cannot physically reach the cups. He can't reach the steam machine to shh. So he has to get a milk crate. So he's shoving the milk crate to reach up for this cup, reach up for that cup, reach up to the machine and shh and do all this stuff. And the other employees are tripping over the milk crate because he's a midget. I mean, once again, he's not a bad person. He wants to work. He wants a job. He's a midget. And so finally, after a few weeks of this, the manager says, look, I'm glad we tried it. It was worth an experiment. We have, I love the fact that you're such an earnest person. You clearly are a hard worker. But, I mean, look, we almost, three people almost broke their necks. You're a midget. You can't reach the cups. 
So what did this uh, gentleman do who was given the opportunity to work at Starbucks? He, of course, sued. And the Association of Midgets, whatever they are, I don't, I don't know what it is, dwarves, dwarves, whatever. I don't know. Anyway, the, the National Dwarf Association starts threatening Starbucks. We're going to protest you because you have to accommodate this guy. And when they said that, you could hear every Starbucks customer in America go, no, no, you don't have to accommodate. Because here's the problem. You have the guy with the box pushing the box around. It slows everybody down. I don't have time to stand in line so that you can do a politically correct social experiment with people who literally can't reach the device I need to drink my coffee out of. I don't have time. I got stuff to do. Look. Go to the old folks' home. You can run the coffee machine there. Old people like coffee. They got plenty of time. They're sitting around. They can chit-chat them up. You can ask them questions. You can give them quizzes. You can do trivia. You can do bingo and coffee with old people. But do you understand who goes to Starbucks? People are freaking lives. We got work to get to. So forget the obnoxious, I'm better than you, progressive pretentiousness of the hashtag race together. It's the hassle in my life that is the real part. I don't care about your politics. I care that I'm just trying to come in here and get a product. And so my thanks for asking Starbucks, which is the hashtag I'm using, thanks for asking Starbucks, pre-made answer. So that when I walk in the door, I'll be ready to go. When they start handing me politically correct cups to engage me in a conversation in the middle of a line that stretches out the door is going to be, hey, Overeducated hipster coffee monkey. Get back to screwing up my mocha frappuccino, espresso, blah, 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 and shut the bleep up. And that is my answer. And that should be everyone's answer. And you've, by the way, for those of you, like, oh my God, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be mean. No, no, you don't understand. The rest of the people in the line are counting on you. You can't, you can't be the jerk in the line who actually engages. Well, now that you mention it, you know, I think about race relations and the dynamic. Hello? There are 35 people behind you waiting for overpriced foamy skim milk. They're going to pay $7 for foamy skim milk that you can buy for $2 a gallon. And they need to do it quickly because they got to go earn the money to pay $7 for foamy skim milk. And if you are the a-hole who stops and discusses this, you're screwing everybody else. So I know, I know we're Southerners. We have a different mentality. We're more laid back and has your mom and him and all that stuff. But you need to think about the Starbucks race cup the same way you think about the 19-year-old texter girl at the red light. And there's a line of traffic, and she's up there, chip, 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 and the light turns green. And you're in the car behind her. I don't want to honk. I don't want to be mean. I want to honk. No, you got to damn honk. You got to get her moving because everyone else is counting on you. When you're in line, if you see the hipster coffee monkey handing out a cup of, hey, how's your race relations? You got a person who goes, hey, are you kidding me? Just make the coffee, okay? We got to go. You've got to do that. You got to get... The rest of us, you got to get our back. 844-404-1067. Ralph, you are on the air with Michael Graham. Hey, Michael. I would uh, hand the cup back and ask my money back and give them their little rewards card, too. Really? Yeah, I just, uh, I don't need somebody telling me that. Something I already know. I mean. So you're going to turn around and walk out? Yeah, I'm going to turn around and walk out. It sounds like they've got some kind of political agenda, but you never know. It just. Why infringe on people, you know, when they're in a hurry? Uh, that, the, the magic words, people who are in a hurry. 844-404-1067. Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at noon on News Radio 1067.
Good morning, it's 9.50. I am Michael Graham. Uh, there's a breaking situation in Tunisia where uh, seven tourists and one Tunisian have been killed. There's a hostage situation in a museum, and all I can say is, damn Amish. Man, I wish they would calm down. The phone number is 844-404-1067. In the next hour, we'll definitely be talking about the uh, big news out of Israel. You remember what was supposed to happen in Israel with Benjamin Netanyahu, right? The last-minute threat that could destroy... Uh, it was supposed to be uh, bad news for him. Instead, this is what we ended up with. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is eyeing a fourth term after a dramatic turn of events. Defying expectations, Netanyahu is declaring victory in a race that just days ago appeared to be slipping away. He says the win came against all odds. Uh, and so we'll be talking more about that and also uh, what it means. And why are Americans, particularly American conservatives, so pumped up? About an election, you know, thousands of miles away. It really is interesting the way my Twitter feed worked yesterday. Right now, though, we're talking about the decision by Starbucks to use your cup of coffee as an excuse to start a conversation. Do you think this is a good idea? 844-404-1067. Poor baristas. They already have to put up with ridiculous, obnoxious orders yeah. and no racism. That's the first thing that went through my mind, that this is a form of barista torture. <laughs> Let's see what Melvin thinks. Melvin, you are on the air with Michael Graham. Hello, yeah. Melvin. Hey, how you doing? Fine, sir. Go right ahead, please. Well, the thing is, a conversation or a dialogue about racism should not uh, bring about this kind of negative response because it's basically just people trying to come to a place where the, everyone's on the same page. And that's the fact that we're all the same in some sense. We just want to live in a society where that ignorance and bigotry and unnecessary hostility is resolved, you know, it's just a simple no-brainer, you know. So any conversation or any attempt to bring about some civilized dialogue about race, because trust me, there is a lot of misconception about race on both sides of the fence. I know, I see it every day. But the thing is, until we address it sincerely and seriously, it'll continue to evolve and become a thorn in everybody's side. And you think the right way to address that complex thorn in the side issue is while I'm getting a cup of coffee at a coffee it's shop? It's not about the coffee. It's, forget the coffee. The only thing Starbucks is doing is just opening up the door. You walk through if you want to. If you don't, buy your coffee and leave. But That's Melvin, they're not just opening. The, it is about the coffee. It's a coffee shop. That's what it is. It's a coffee shop. I mean, I could strike up that conversation with someone at Walmart or at Kroger's. Right. You know, that, thing, that conversation could take place anywhere, anywhere. You're absolutely right. When two people right, when two people run into each other, they can talk about all kinds of things, Melvin, like you and me. But for uh, this business to interject itself on total strangers and say, "Hey, you need to," I need to make sure that you understand the most basic things that a dignified human being understands. It's both insulting and off-putting. It's also a pain in my neck. Because I now I'm stuck waiting for my coffee. <laughs> I mean, first of all, they don't verbally engage you regarding this uh, mm -hmm. conversation of race. It's just on the side of the cup. It's like a little brain uh, alert. You know, mm -hmm. hey, wow, there's something to think about, you know. But uh, so you think the customers are way too much. You're giving it way too much attention. So you think this, so much. you agree that the customers at Starbucks are racist? 
I don't think any, I don't think, I don't I don't do shop Starbucks enough to know if you're racist or not. But isn't the premise that I have to put a message on the side of your food to tell you, hey, stop being racist? Is that the people that are there are racist? I just, just I just love the idea of painfully white progressive college punks behind the counter handing coffee to painfully white suburban ladies so they can each talk about the dynamics of race relations. It's so perfect. It says everything you need to know about the loony, lefty, progressive Starbucks quinoa crunching uh, you know, types is uh, they get together to have pointless conversations with each other, judging everybody else. Kurt, you're on the air with Michael Graham. Michael, uh, I think it's a good idea. We need to have more communication between people okay. because when when people communicate, they tend to get to the truth. And once you know the truth, that sets you free to be whatever you want to be. Okay. Okay. And uh, so it opens up the world. So yeah, have them do it. I, I don't buy Starbucks. Sorry to say that. I just well, think well, it's Kurt, overpriced. I'm, I'm handing I'm handing you my radio cup of coffee. Okay. So we're clearly doing yeah. this. And the cup of coffee says, "Jesus, you're fat. Are you sure you want all this sugar? You're okay with that, right?" Kurt, because it helps us get to the truth. Yeah, I, I, I don't care what they think. It's okay, the- there you go. So Kurt says, so I'm going to I'm going to open up Michael's uh, McBurger, and every burger is going to have a message on it. And when Fatso's come rolling through, it's going to say, "Yo, dude, try a salad." Because hey, we need to have a dialogue about obesity. It's a major national problem. Skinny people, sure you're not anorexic. Better have two. Uh, why? That's what I'm going to do at my burger. Absolutely, at my burger place. In fact, I'm going to do this at my vegan rest, uh, 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 restaurant run by vegans. Why are you eating meat, murderer? What's wrong with you? How would you like it if somebody ate your kid? I'll put that right on the uh, kid's happy meal, right inside of me. Why not? Hey, we need to have conversations. This is what we need to do. Somebody's got it. Look, Starbucks has to make sure that you know just how bad you are. All you white people going there paying six bucks for a cup of coffee, you need to know how your white privilege has made that possible. You need to know that there's something wrong with you. And the green clad baristas of Starbucks cannot wait to tell you. And that's the entire story. 844-404-1067. Coming up in the next hour, Benjamin Netanyahu's win is a loss for the president of the United States. Why did that happen? Um, The uh, mayor of Cumming, Georgia, when he's not scamming uh, benefits for his uh, young hottie, is uh, trying to pull a Hillary and keep secrets. He's now cost $200,000. An update on the Alpharetta crackdown on uh, bracket games, because every bracket game in Georgia is illegal. Only some get busted and some don't. It's all happening here on The Michael Graham Show. And News Radio 1067. I am Michael Graham, your only licensed and authorized distributor of the natural truth. What is the natural truth? It is Atlanta's largest diner table where you can just pull up, grab a cup of coffee or sweet tea, and we can just talk about whatever's going on. You can tell me what you honestly think, because that's the whole point, is to have an honest conversation about what's really going on in the world. What is the point of getting together and just saying the stuff we're supposed to say? I want to know what you really think. And so that's the premise. That's why we have the phone number at 844-404-1067. We have email, michael at michaelgram.com. You can read my stuff on my blog. Just click the blog button at the Michael Graham page. And by the way, we podcast every show 
every afternoon. So if you miss part or all or whatever, you can just go, go to the Michael Grant page, and the podcast is right there. And you can listen to a shows in the past and, uh, and uh, play along. So we're, ha- we're happy for you to do that. Uh, coming up in a few minutes, you know that the Georgia House representatives passed a tax, a gas tax hike that not only raises the gas tax to 30 cents a gallon, but it also automatically raises again and again and again permanently. It's a permanent self-rising gas tax of doom. Well, the Georgia State Senate has stepped in and uh, they've changed things a bit. They want to add an impact fee for everybody who drives a motorcycle or a car. Uh, They want to they're they're uh, considering looking at cigarette taxes But what about the automatic self-rising gas tax? Are your taxes going to go up year after year after year without politicians at least having to vote and come face you, the voters, afterwards? We'll uh, find out. And uh, at 1045, uh, Nydia Tisdale is a citizen journalist who shows up when politicians are talking and turns on her camera. She wanted to turn her camera on Mayor H. Ford Gramps Gravit. He didn't like it, so he had the cops throw her out of a public meeting illegally she told him it was illegal didn't matter because what does he care he's also the guy who illegally has his girlfriend collecting health care benefits even though she's not on the city payroll the city taxpayers are paying her health care and he said well she takes care of me personally ah i see mayor so uh this dirty old man has got his scam going on he just cost the taxpayers 200 grand why you'll uh, find out and why I am cheering the Kentucky Wildcats has nothing to do with my illegal brackets. And it has nothing to do with my illegal Alpharetta uh, I'm busted brackets. The ones we started yesterday based on those 23 guys who were arrested. Yes, it's true. Arrested for playing the brackets game in Alpharetta. They're having a press conference about that today, which is interesting because we've called the press person about nine times and asked him to come on and explain why you're arresting people at Pepperoni's Tavern for doing what people in every single building in Atlanta are doing. And uh, he has declined to join us on the air and answer those questions. But when he has his presser, we'll bring you whatever information that is. But obvious, but, but one of the other big stories, and I've heard from a bunch, many of you about it, is the election in Israel yesterday. It was supposed to sound like this. The last-minute threat that could destroy any chance of a peace plan. Could mean the end of peace with the Palestinians. I have to say, Scott, not a lot of optimism on this front. Doom and gloom from MSNBC, CNN, the New York Times, and the Obama administration. You do know that President Obama used tax dollars to pay people to go run a campaign against Benjamin Netanyahu. You and I used our money to try to beat a guy in another country's election. It's horrifying. It's a horrifying fact. Uh, And soon after the election results came in, well, they weren't exactly what MSNBC was hoping for. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is eyeing a fourth term after a dramatic turn of events. Defying expectations, Netanyahu is declaring victory in a race that just days ago appeared to be slipping away. He says the win came against all odds. And my email, Twitter feed said it's full of Americans who've never been to Israel who are thrilled that Benjamin Netanyahu won. Why are people in America so pumped up? There are people in America who are more pumped up by B.B. Netanyahu than they are by Jeb Bush. Jeb Bush, an actual American Republican. If he walked into this room, and would be, eh, whatever. If B.B. showed up, oh, eh, 
And why is that? Why is it you think that people are just celebrating this so much uh, on the American right? This is a stunning victory for Netanyahu, a landslide that none of the polls had predicted. You can be sure there's a lot of disappointment at the White House this morning, realizing they have to try to work with Netanyahu for the next two years. Well, the one reason they're disappointed is, number one, they spent tax dollars trying to beat him. And number two, they were repeatedly, openly trashing him. So Benjamin Netanyahu did not have the leader of the free world on his side. He did not have the president of the United States. Who did he have to give him this unexpected, unexpected, huge margin of victory? I'm Chuck Norris, and I would like to say hello to all my friends in Israel. I watched Prime Minister Netanyahu's speech before Congress. This is real. And saw a man who loves his country with all his heart and soul. I also saw a strong leader, which is absolutely crucial for the safety of the Israeli people. I'm not making this up. I have done three movies in Israel. Delta Force being my favorite. Delta Force. And I love, love that one. Many friendships while there. You have an incredible country, and we want to keep it that way. That's why it's so important to keep a leader who has the courage and vision to stand up against the evil forces that are threatening not only Israel, but the United States. That's right. Benjamin Netanyahu did not have Barack Obama, but he did have Chuck Norris. And guess who wins? Walker, Texas Ranger. That's who wins. We're gonna, wait, wait, when it's time to have teams, you pick Barack, I'll pick Walker, Texas Ranger, I'll win. That's, that is the standing that the President of the United States has in the world. That's not good. Absolutely not. In fact, you could argue that the more President Obama trashed Benjamin Netanyahu, the better his numbers went. That's why Bill Crystal suggested that maybe... You should send him a thank uh, Netanyahu should send the president a thank you note. You're going to hear uh, some uh, more on that. Also, your phone calls at 844-404-1067. And are you ready to spend $8 million so the Secret Service can get drunk and plow into a fake White House? Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at noon on News Radio 1067. Would have thought they would have voted him out. I think he wanted it to be about security, and Obama helped him. I think the great irony of this election is Obama's highlighting the importance of Netanyahu's speech to Congress two weeks ago by criticizing it, scorning Netanyahu, the whole assault on Netanyahu. Probably let some swing number of voters in Israel uh, sort of decide, you know what, maybe it's safer to vote for Netanyahu. Maybe I will vote my national security concerns. I I'd still kind of like maybe some what the other parties are offering domestic policy better, but. I think Obama really may have made the difference for Netanyahu. Good morning, it's 1019. Uh, yeah, Michael Graham, that's uh, Bill Crystal, the Weekly Standard and founder of the Emergency Committee for Israel, talking about Benjamin Netanyahu's surprise win yesterday. It's a, the Israeli system is very complicated. They have a parliamentary system. What that means is you don't elect a president like we do. What you do is you elect basically like your congressman and then whatever team has the most congressmen, they put together a majority. And then that majority picks a guy to be not just a minister among them, but the prime minister. Remember the British TV show First Among Equals? That's the whole premise. So imagine that you never voted for a president. Imagine you only voted for, you know, Tom Price, Newt Gingrich, whatever. And then all the Tom Prices and Newt Gingriches and Nancy Pelosi's all got together and then they pick teams and they pick someone on their team to be the boss. So just to use a number, let's say if Israel had 100 seats in the parliament, 
it takes 51 seats to be the boss. His team will never have the 51 seats by itself. What they do is they may have like 40 seats. And then you got all these teeny little parties that have like one seat, two seats, three seats. And you go out to them and you get your 51 by cutting deals. And so that's what they're in the process of doing. It's Like I said, it's very complicated. Uh, but uh, the, big, the fact is Benjamin Netanyahu's party, the Likud party, as it's called, which is if, if there's anything comparable to the Republican Party in uh, Israel, and that's, and that's kind of squishy because there's so much to the left on big spending and stuff. But if there is one, that's the Republicans basically, the Republicans were supposed to win a certain number of seats. They basically won about 25 or 30 percent more than they were supposed to win. And the Democrat version party lost about 25, 30 percent more than they were supposed to lose. So it was a pretty big night. And I just, if you want to, I'd be curious to hear from you, from normal people who don't sit around on, you know, television like Bill Crystal. People were pretty pumped last night. People who are not political were pretty pumped in my Twitter feed and contacting me. My wife, who does not follow, barely follow politics at all. Now, she is Jewish, so there's a kind of emotional connection there. But she was like, she was mad. Why aren't they covering the Israeli results? I want to hear the results. Did he win or not? And she was so pro-BB. It was crazy. And you know, the, the joke is that uh, BB's next poll should be how well he does in Iowa and New Hampshire because he's so popular among Republicans. I'll tell you this. I know it could beat Jeb. Absolutely could beat Jeb. And so I'm curious as to why. If you were excited, if you were craving news about the Israeli elections, if you were pumped up, what was it that had you pumped up? 844-404-1067. And was it simply that Netanyahu winning meant Obama lost. Is this really just schadenfreude, you know, taking joy in other people's pain because you just are so annoyed with President Obama that anyone he likes, you don't like, and anyone he hates, you love? Because President Obama has no American president has ever treated an ally head of state the way that this president has been treating the president of Israel. You just don't see it. Even during the Iraq war when you know France was kind of fighting with us and stuff, W didn't trash him. Bill Clinton, Eisenhower, you just don't know, not to our allies. I mean, you, you treat the Russians this way during the Cold War because they're the enemy. You treat the communist Chinese this way, they're the enemy. You know, but you don't treat our, this is one of our biggest allies. You don't trash him. And so I got to tell you, just like he gave Republicans control of the House in 2010 and he gave Republicans control of the Senate in 2014, President Obama handed a win to Benjamin Netanyahu. Here's the deal. If you're in a game against Obama, you want Obama on the other team. Because the more he's on the other team, the better you do. Here's some more Bill Crystal. It's a pretty big repudiation of Obama. I mean, he really did butt into this election from refusing to see Netanyahu attacking his speech uh, in Congress, letting his aides attack him pretty, uh, you know, in a vulgar and, uh, and disparaging ways over the last several months. Uh, rarely has the administration rooted more for uh, a change of government in a foreign country. And uh, put real, and then of course the Obama team was over there working on turning out voters, including Arab voters, uh, to really try to maximize the the anti-Netanyahu vote. And it seems not to work. It seems like I mean, Herzog would it not have been nearly as accommodating to Obama as people sort of suspected over here. I mean, they don't really people who don't. You know, Herzog is pretty hawkish. He, he doesn't like the Iran deal either. He wasn't going to go back to the 67 borders either. Still, psychologically, if Netanyahu had been defeated, it would have been viewed as a victory for Obama over here. Um, and I think, I hope, the opposite is the case. And people here see that, you know, the citizens of Israel, who are an extremely diverse bunch, had many grievances against Netanyahu, many on domestic policy grounds, didn't like some of his policies, fairly or unfairly. 
nonetheless, at the end of the day, I think they agreed more with Netanyahu's analysis of the world around Israel and, and the world itself than with Obama's. And uh, the Herzog he mentioned is the head of their version of the Democratic Party, who really was kind of a Bill Clinton-esque guy. He was kind of a, you know, wasn't too far to the left for Israel, wasn't too far to the right. So the fact that Netanyahu still won, even though you had a you know, relatively moderate opponent, just showed what a mess things were and et cetera. So your chance to speak out about that here at 844-404-1067. So uh, as you know, I am participating in an illegal brackets game because everyone in Georgia who's betting on a brackets is participating in a legal brackets game. And we just got somebody busted in uh, Alpharetta for running an uh, illegal brackets game, even though the cops who busted them some of them are actually participating in a legal brackets game themselves while they are busting people for their brackets game. So I've been paying a little more attention to NCAA basketball now that Alpharetta has pulled its stunt. And I got to tell you, I'm in love with the Kentucky Wildcats. I like the idea of a undefeated team because how, how can, often could that happen? It's a rare moment. But I also love them because of their attitude. Did you know that after they won the SEC championship, they didn't cut down the nets? At the game. And so someone asked him, it's like, dude, you you guys didn't uh, cut down the nets. And so one of their players, Willie Colley Stein, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, because once again, I've been following the team. He answered that question, and I love this answer. I noticed on Twitter that uh, didn't bother to cut down the nets, sent somebody else out to to cut them, I I think, just double checking. So uh, no need to get those at this point. You know, those aren't the nets that we're, we're really looking to cut down. It was just a milestone. It's, it's part of the process, you know, for us winning and everything, but we're looking for something bigger. We're looking uh, to cut down, you know, a couple more nets in the, in the tournament. I love that. I love that. Hey, there's a trophy over there that you won, and you didn't even bother to pick it up. Yeah, I know, because it's not the trophy that we want. I mean, it's nice. It's part of the process. We've got to do it, but that's not the trophy we want. Can you imagine what that sounds like to a Generation Cupcake kid? who just got a trophy for showing up. The Generation Cupcake kid who never scored a single point in his Little League or Saturday morning basketball league, who got a trophy for being the most consistently being on the team player. Can you imagine what that sounds like to kids whose classrooms, their their papers are graded on the curve? Kids who go, and they I'm not making this up, graduation ceremonies. When they go from elementary school to first grade or from fourth grade to fifth grade, depending on what the school is, or from sixth grade to seventh grade, they have graduation ceremonies to get diplomas diplomas and gifts just for going to the next grade. What must it sound like to hear this guy say, yeah, we won the SEC championships. We are the champs. You know what? We didn't even, that's just, yeah, we won it. That's great. But it's only because, it's only great because it's part of the step to excellence. I love that attitude. I think that that message should be put on every Generation Cupcake Kids uh, t-shirt. I think every one of you terrified, paranoid, overprotective helicopter moms and dads should have to hear that lesson as you're off running to buy your little junior you know, kid a special treat because he did his homework on Tuesday. Ooh. Here's a guy whose team won it all, but because it's not all of the all, they didn't even slow down. I love that story. 844-404-1067. I, Michael Graham. You know, those aren't the nets that we're, we're really looking to cut down. It was just a milestone. It's, it's part of the process. 
you know, for us winning and everything, but we're looking for something bigger. We're looking uh, to cut down, you know, a couple more nets in the, in the tournament. It's 1036. Oh, yeah. Michael Graham coming up in about 10 minutes. He's story of more um, corruption in coming Georgia. Why do people put up with it up there? I have no idea. And one hour and 10 minutes from now, your chance to win free lunch from Tin Lizzie's Cantina in the lunch line. Right now, the question I have for you is if you have a kid who is part of some everybody gets a cupcake program, whether it's sports, school, academia, whatever, do you honestly think this is a good Thing. Do you, if your kid went through, if you were astonished to find out that you were expected to show up for a graduation for your kid to go from second grade to third grade or sixth, fifth grade to sixth grade, did you think, oh, this is good, this, this really encourages self-esteem? Because you, I assume you know that international test scores and international analysis shows, A, American students are some of the worst students at math and science in the world, and B, American students think they're some of the best students and math and science and we have self esteem covered up we are we are buried in youthful self esteem because of this generation cupcake approach that's why i love the university of kentucky player the basketball players who i predict are going to win it all they just said we're not even going to cut that down that's just not we're we're going on we want to win it all or nothing. We want to be the best of the best. And I love that example, which is so contrary to the Generation Cupcake experience. Here's another uh, story from March 15th. A 17-year-old guy was uh, riding his brand-new mountain bike, and he got hit by a car. Okay, stuff happens, whatever. It was early morning on a weekday. The uh, car stops. The bicyclist is covered in blood on his face, his lips all busted open. He's lying on the ground. The male driver of the car stopped but didn't get out. The female driver, apparently his wife, gets out, runs around, sees him lying on the road bloody and says, Oh, you poor dear. I know this is terrible, but I can't put you in the car because I've got my kids in the car and your bloody mess will scare them. They'll see your blood and it'll scare them and it'll upset them. Uh, it, quote, um, the fa- blood on your face would upset my children. So she got back in the car and drove away. So this guy is lying on the ground bleeding in need of medical help. And they won't drive him to the hospital, police station, whatever. Not because they don't have time, not because they don't have the car, but because it will upset the children. And so they just drove off and left him there. What are you afraid is going to happen to your kids if they see a little blood? What are you afraid is going to happen to your kids if they don't get a trophy? What are you afraid is going to happen to your kids if real life somehow sneaks in and encounters them? 844-404-1067. You know, by doing that, those parents did actually show their children something. They showed their kids what total and utter as we pays they are. And they showed their kids, you and your feelings are more important than other people. Even other people who are lying on the side of the road on a smashed mountain bike, bleeding from the face. The kids are getting the message. Don't worry. They didn't have to see the blood to see what mom and dad did. 
Dad doesn't even get out of the car. Mom comes out. Oh, I'm so sorry. I know you need help. I know you're in pain. But my children might see your face and be upset. So bye. <laughs> We're off. I, my policy has been whenever practical, if I could do it, I would stop my kids from getting these stupid, bogus, fake trophies. I was when I was, we was like if they were going to have uh, a. I remember my uh, son was playing soccer one year, and then the team was terrible. They'd won like two games, and they were going to have an awards ceremony. So we had the pizza and the ice cream and blah blah blah. And they reached to the trophy box, and I grabbed my son. So we're out of here. Like, what? Yeah, we're going. What? What? what, what you, what's your trophy for? Being two and eight? No trophy here. And the coach says afterwards, you know, we had a trophy for your son. He was most spirited. Or it was one of those bull, you know, they always, you have the the best player, top scorer, best defender. I also admire best improved. That's a good trophy to get. Absolutely. I don't care if you were, you know, the worst kid on the team and you became the third worst kid on the team. If you made more, I I love that award. That's one of my favorite awards. But they were going to give him like the happiest kid or the, Always brings a smile. No, no. We're going to be the always leave the stupid fake trophy. That's, that's going to be us. Was I the bad parent? Because some of the other parents are like, I can't believe you're leaving. Your son's going to get a trophy. Fight me. It's not a trophy worth having. So we're not going to take it. And the idea that I would leave someone bleeding on the side of the road so that my little precious cupcake wouldn't have to see the blood and be upset. This is never going to happen. Ever. And I assume that you're like me. But, hey, I could be wrong. That's why we have the uh, phone number and the email, michael at michaelgram.com. And do you agree with me that the parents who left that guy behind did teach the kids something, did show the kids something even uglier than this bicyclist's beaten up face? Hey, uh, coming up, a stack of ways for government to waste our money. You do know, for example, that the Secret Service wants eight, $6 million or $8 million, I forget which one it is, so they can have a specially made mock-up of the White House to protect us, practice their secret servicing on? The longer-term projects, uh, for example, you mentioned earlier the, the training facility, the mock-up of the White House. We feel that's important. Right now, we use a uh, parking lot, basically. We put up a make fence and walk off the distance between uh, the fence at the White House and, and the actual house itself. On that uh, parking lot, we don't have the bushes, we don't have the fountains, we don't get a realistic look. Dude. You're guarding a house. It's a house. It has doors, has walls, has a ceiling, just like another house. You don't need an $8 million pretend house to practice guarding the real house. Here's an idea. How about stop driving drunkenly into the White House we already have, as opposed to building a fake house that you can plow into on a Saturday night after a bender? How about that crazy idea? How about this coming, Georgia? $200,000 out of your pocket because your uh, grumpy gramps of a mayor, Mayor Gravett, didn't want anyone to see him voting on public issues of the day. We've got that story of citizen journalism and a victory for you and me. Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at noon on News Radio 1067. She uh, does a lot of work for the city of Cumming, and I think the city uh, pays $663 a month for her insurance. That's it, and I think we got a good bargain. It's 1050. Hi, I'm Michael Graham. That's the voice of Gramps Gravett. He's the mayor of uh, Cumming, has been since 1970, talking about his 
sweet young Thang girlfriend, significantly younger. She's on the city payroll, despite the fact that she doesn't do any work for the city. It's only eight grand a year, he says. What's the problem? After all, she does a lot of work for him. Uh, it's not the only problems they're having in coming Georgia City, where the corruption is out in the open, in part thanks to the outstanding work of citizen journalist Nydia Tisdale. Nydia, welcome to The Michael Graham Show. Thank you for having me, Michael Graham. My pleasure. And by the way, your uh, website is about Forsyth.com. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. I want people to be able to find you. So uh, tell everybody what happened when you showed up at a uh, city uh, government uh, gathering to set up your camera so you could record it and share it with all of the voters who couldn't show up uh, a few months ago. Well, actually, this incident happened almost three years ago. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that long. Wow. Yes, it was in April of 2012, mm-hmm. and it was the same day that Governor Nathan Deal had signed the update to the Georgia Sunshine Law, and so it was fresh on everybody's mind. It got a lot of, of press, and it was uh, effective immediately. Now, in the old law, video recording was allowed, and in the new law, video recording was allowed, so there was no change in that provision. However, they made it easier to assess penalties for civil violations. And so the attorney general actually filed a lawsuit, and I also filed a lawsuit. So it was the first time I had ever entered Cumming City Hall, and I came in not really knowing where to go, and I walk in and I set up my camera and my tripod, and I start filming, and the mayor announces we have a little house cleaning as if I were trash to be removed, <laughs> not housekeeping, but house right. cleaning, and directed the chief of police, Casey Tatum, to remove the camera from the auditorium. He didn't address me. He didn't ask me to turn my camera off. He didn't even speak to me. He spoke to the chief of police and said, remove the camera. And I proceeded to protest, saying, respectfully, Mayor, Georgia Sunshine Law allows me to film this meeting. And he said, it's not up for discussion. Remove the camera. He didn't care wow. about Georgia law. He didn't care about my rights. It it didn't matter to him. Well, I filed a complaint with the attorney general's office that same night, and I included what portion of the video I was able to record, which was when they grabbed me by both my arms, two armed police officers, and forcefully removed me from that meeting. And then I packed up my camera and actually returned to the meeting a few moments later with a second camera, which is primarily a still camera, but it does take moving images as well. I I figured out how to do that, and so I started doing that, and I was told by the deputy chief to turn my camera off the second time. Now, once again, this is a – we're talking to Nidia Tisdale about Forsyth.com as her website. This is a meeting of, you know, they're spending tax dollars and making decisions that are going to affect the taxpayers. They're creating law, regulations, blah, blah, blah. In other words, this is – public activity. Why in the world would they not want a member of the public there sharing what they were up to with everyone else? Well, they were discussing the water contract between the city and the county, and I had been following that item for several months, and I had been to several Forsyth County meetings across the street and filmed the mayor and the city attorney in county meetings, but I had never filmed them in city meetings. And they just decided they weren't going to allow my camera in mm. their in their proceedings. Well, this is what I don't understand. Uh, uh, mayor Gravett has, you know, been mayor literally since Nixon was president. Watergate hadn't happened when he became mayor. Cumming isn't like a dopey backwater town. You know what I mean? This isn't like you know uh, Hooterville. Why is this skirt chasing geezer still the mayor of Cumming, Georgia? It's a tiny town of about 5,000 residents. 
whereas Forsyth County in comparison has upwards of 200,000 residents. Mm -hmm. And so it's the tail that wags the dog. And the mayor has been in office because the voters continue voting him in, and oftentimes he doesn't have any challengers. In the last election, there was no no uh, wow. election, in fact, because there was no opponent. And uh, he, he's been in office since 1970, and prior to that, he served on the city council. So it, it's been a long time. And is there any reaction to, his to way. The, is there any reaction to the fact that he just cost the taxpayers two hundred grand because they have to pay you off now after throwing you out of the meeting illegally? And the, I know there's an insurance policy, but still, you know, the city in, in the end, the city has to pay. Is there any reaction to that? There's mixed reactions, yes, and part of that is get the mayor out of office, and <laughs> he may retire anyway. But uh, he's the youngest on the council. The oldest is in his 80s. Holy moly. He's the youngest? And the mayor's in his 70s. (laughs) And they've all been on the council for between 20 and and 40 years. So no one wants the job? No no one who's still, I mean, unless you're a regular Matlock viewer, you're not interested in being a member of city government? Well, the city does not charge property taxes Mm -hmm. for city residents. And so that's one of the perks. And they get quite a lot of benefits via the county because they sell water water to the county and then they get lost and lost splits from the county. So they're they're sitting sitting pretty. (laughs) One last question for you. The news that the mayor's girlfriend uh, was is, as far as I know, still getting about eight grand a year and free money for health care. And the city councilor who wants to get his much younger wife lifetime benefits after he kicks the buckets. Is there any reaction even to, I mean, the shameless grabbing of tax dollars and shoving them into their pants? Surely someone in coming George's notices. Well, it's under FBI investigation now. They have subpoenaed <laughs> the health records of the city attorney, Dana Miles, and Angela Mullinex, the mayor's long-term lady friend, and their employment records. They've also subpoenaed their travel expenses and uh, the mayor created a nonprofit scholarship fund in honor of his late wife, Carolyn Gravett, and they've requested records regarding that. So they are digging into it, and it has caught the attention of the feds. And I'm I'm glad because it, it begs a lot of questions. A federal investigation into Grandpa Gravett's, Gravett's pants. That is just absolutely the perfect way to wrap this up. Uh, Nydia Tisdale, uh, for, about Forsyth.com. Thank you for being a citizen willing to show up at these things and do the work the rest of us are too lazy to do. I appreciate it. Thank you, Michael Graham. Have a great day. My pleasure. And to those of you who are calling me to say, oh, Nydia, she's a gadfly. She's a troublemaker. No one's done. I'm sorry. I, I, then give me more gadflies and troublemakers because she's not a corrupt, cash-grabbing politician putting his squeeze on the dole why do the people of coming Georgia put up with it? I don't understand. But then again, there's a lot I don't understand. Hey, I tried out the new Starbucks coffee system, and we've got audio of it that you don't want to miss, that you won't hear anywhere else. I am Michael Graham. Mark this down as one more try by Starbucks to think beyond its cups of coffee by wading into race relations. The ad campaign in partnership with USA Today is called Race Together. First thing that went through my mind that this is a form of barista torture. <laughs> Dude, you don't have to earn their trust. You're their boss. They're supposed to earn your trust. If President Obama developed athlete's foot, he would blame 
George W. Bush. This is the Michael Graham Show on News Radio 1067. I have to say, not a lot of optimism on this front. Good morning, it's 1106 and News Radio 106.7. I am Michael Graham, your host, MC, star of the show, renowned spoiler of women, known enemy of the jihad, the geekiest white guy east of the Mississippi River. So, two, quote, militants in Tunisia left at least 19 people dead. Two militants have been, I guess there's those random militants, there's like military militants, just Millie, Millie militants. We don't know, there's something about Millie. We don't know who they are, just... Random militants in Tunisia that have nothing to do with a certain religion that rhymes with Islam. <clears throat> also, coming up later in the show, more of your reaction to Starbucks' new effort to interject conversations about sticky subjects on you to impose them upon you whether you want them or not. You know, I wanted to see how this was going to go, so I went out to one of the Starbucks that's trying this, and uh, I happened to bring my little digital recorder, and here's what happened to me. Hi, and welcome to Starbucks. Yeah, we're going to Starbucks. Would you like to try a fair trade quinoa muffin handcrafted in a third world bakery? Uh, no, thanks. Could I just get a large black coffee, please? What do you mean large? And what do you mean black? Uh, no, 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 no. I mean, uh, could I get a uh, venti African-American coffee? That's better. Do you want light roast or dark roast? Well, I heard that the light roast is a lot better than the dark roast, so I'll... What the f- did you just say? Oh, no, no. I, I, what, I mean, I was just, no, dark roast. I'll take dark roast. Damn, Skippy, you'll have a dark roast. Uh, yeah, and my wife wanted me to pick up some drinks for her office. If you can help me with that. Uh-huh. Oh, no, it's okay. Uh, she's much better at this Starbucks thing. In fact, she gave me a list. Let's see. She wants uh, one Malcolm Espresso, one latte from a Birmingham jail, and one sugar-free Million Man Macchiato. Now we're talking Starbucks coffee. Proud to be foaming up racial divisions and serving them with a splash of white privilege for 30 years. Yes, just doing our best here to uh, to reach out and bridge those divides. Is this the right way to treat your customers? Let's ask the author of the book, Good Manners for Nice People Who Sometimes Say the F Word, our good friend Amy Alcon. And Amy, we're going to talk about women, men, and age in a second. But i got to get your take on this effort by... <laughs> Starbucks to is, is is it polite of you to raise the issue of why do you hate black people when someone comes in to buy coffee? Is that a polite oh, thing to do, Amy? Oh my God, no! I, I'm still trying. I'm trying to stop laughing after hearing that. That is so funny. No, this is so inappropriate. This is so inappropriate. This is like breaking into somebody's living room. They're watching TV and forcing them to hear about your politics. I mean, this is so terrible. I, I can't. I mean, do they have a death wish? A a financial death wish at oh. Starbucks because this is really a way. Why don't they just commit suicide? A- Amy Alcon, this is what you're missing. The guilty su- uh, uh, SUV driving suburban liberal white women, they will go in and they will take their I'm a racist kicking every single day. It is They slather them with white guilt and they will eat it up because they they know that Starbucks is right. They're bad people. Oh, my God. This is so horrible. Do you agree with me? Do you agree with me that the presumption that your customers are ignorant about race and 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 hold ill will towards other people is an insult? (laughs) It's really rude, but I don't care what you presume about your customers. They're there to get coffee, not a lecture. Exactly. Now, I want to. You wrote a fantastic piece that that ran alas in the New York Observer. Not one of my favorite bags, but anyway, you wrote a great piece. Calling out a uh, uh, a young lady, Stella Gray, 55 years old, in The Guardian, complaining that she can't be old, fat, and have short hair and still expect to attract a man. 
And she argued, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Amy, this is basically a form of social injustice that this is the world she lives in. Yes, that's exactly what she's arguing, which is just stupid. And this comes out of feminism. There's this, like, just absurd notion in feminism that it serves women to thumb their nose at standards of beauty, which are these deep, evolved preferences. And, and men and women have conflicting strategies in, in seeking partners, and women just find that awful, where men, men kind of accept their lot in life, which I can get into. Mm, uh, and Amy Elkon as the author of one of the, I, I take it back, the funniest book I've ever read about etiquette, Good Manners for Nice People Who Sometimes Say the F-Bomb. We have a story of a local mayor who was, who was first elected when Nixon was president. He's in his late 70s. He's got a hottie girlfriend who's 30 years younger than he is. And he's been managed to scam her onto the health insurance at the taxpayer's expense for years. And what cracks me up is women are more angry that he's got the hottie girlfriend than they are about the you know $8,000 a year he's stealing from the taxpayers. This is so typical. So we have these differing strategies, uh, and it comes out of how women could get pregnant from a single sex act back there in ancestral times, and there was, there was no couch surfing, there were no 7-Elevens. Right. This was pretty bad if you didn't have a guy sticking around. So women evolved to prioritize, no, not the hottie, but to prioritize finding men who were providers. And so men... All a man had to do to pass on his genes was have sex. So men evolved to just see, are you hot? Because being hot, what we find standards of beauty, those are actually, they really, they just trace right to medical, what is medically seen as fertility. So a fertile woman is a young, sleek-haired, symmetrical woman with a figure that is more, uh, well, hourglass than beer vat. A nice rack. It, yeah, a nice, you know, actually, that's recent research. Yes, you, you know that research, yeah, absolutely. I guess. Um, I've guess been it. studying it my entire life. And, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, it's, it's, it's not all about the bass, in fact, as much as the song might like to believe that. It's about the rack up <laughs> right. front. So, so anyway, the point is that we have this evolutionary biology at work within us. But what about the argument, Amy, that human beings in modern Western society should rise above it, that guys essentially have a duty to look past that and to see the inner beauty of a woman, regardless of how many donuts a day she eats or whether she works out. <laughs> okay, this is about as sensible as my telling you, you should like celery. You should prefer <laughs> celery to chocolate. It just doesn't happen. We have very old psychology. And I'm sorry, it didn't get upgraded. And so the way um, women feel persecuted for men not liking them if they're just, you know, scarfing up donuts all right. day. Um, women don't want these guys who are just sitting on their parents' couch gaming all day. Mm -hmm. And I see the difference is that men seem to accept this. They think like, okay, got to earn a living, got to exactly. be somebody to get the girl. Where women are deeply offended, and this Stella asks this question, should I be prepared to change? No, you should be able to get a boyfriend <laughs> while weighing 300 pounds, you know, and taking no care of your appearance. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point, Amy. Men understand that, well, we used to understand that at a certain point you have to take a bath, shave, get a job, have a decent car, you know, show women that you can do something. Now, Amy, what's great about women is, for younger guys, is that's been totally abandoned. Women are totally willing to hook up with the basement dweller who spends all day playing Gears of War and all night smoking pot with his buddies. But theoretically, guys understand that. You're right. Women seem to do have this attitude. You should just love me the way I am. Well, you don't love me the way I am. Let's turn it around. I just love this, and I have to tell this joke from a friend of mine, or a funny line. It's about the difference of what men and women prioritize in partners. 
Right. And my friend Walter Moore said a guy complained to him that women are only attracted to wealthy men. And so Walter right. said, that's so unfair because we don't expect them to be wealthy. All we ask is that they look like models. <laughs> <laughs> Amy Alcon, what is your word of advice to every angry woman listening to this saying, this is terrible, this is sexism, how dare you uh, say that men thinking of women as sex objects is either reasonable or unavoidable. What is your answer, Amy Alcon, author of Good Manners for Nice People Who Sometimes Say the F-Bomb? Go on a diet and wear lip gloss if you want a boyfriend. Amy Alcon, thanks so much. 844-404-1067. Ladies, is she right? Is this fair or is it social injustice and heteronormative uh, gender oppression? You tell me. Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at Noon on News Radio 1067. Uh, yeah, Michael Graham, so glad that you are here. The Kimmer coming up at noon. And, of course, we give away free lunch every day at 1145 in the lunch line to Tin Lizzie's Cantina. You could be a lucky winner. Uh, so you just heard from Amy Alcon, great writer. Uh, she uh, uh, is a, a advice. She does, like, relationship advice, et cetera, uh, and has a terrific book, Good Manners for Nice People Who Sometimes Say the F-Bomb. And she, her argument is that the women she hears complaining that the guys who are in their 50s are interested in women who are in their 30s, that that's, you know, that that's not fair, that these guys are shallow, they're missing the point. One of the women that, uh, who wrote the piece that Amy was responding to said that a man told her, I bet you were gorgeous when you were young. She replied, yes, I was gorgeous for a while and self-absorbed and shallow and inexperienced and dull. You're right, mate. You'd have much preferred me then. Why is it that women are told we're worth less than we're used to be? No man I know has ever been told that his allure, his charm is faded, that he has to face up to that redundancy. And so her argument is that it's unfair and that guys shouldn't look at women that way and that they should see beyond this. And Amy's rebuttal, and I'd be curious to know if you agree at 844-404-1067, is that this is just biology. It's just, it's just the way the human species evolved. There's no way around it. Guys are in the distribute your seed business and women are in the nurture the young business. And those two businesses do not parallel. And it's just the way things are. Now, that doesn't mean just because you have a, a, a drive, you know, a genetic drive, doesn't mean you give into that drive. We, all men are pigs and all women are insane. That is natural truth, number one. But men's job is to try to control the pig-like creature that lives in all of us and to be our better selves. And women's job is try to be sane enough not to drive man totally crazy so we can run away. But does it bother you? I can't tell you the number of times I've heard women say, what is that guy doing with her? That's disgusting. Look at him. Particularly when it comes to celebrities. Catherine Zeta-Jones, she's with Michael Douglas, right? And when they first got together, it, yikes. It, that, that was a huge gap. Any of you watch the funniest show on TV, Modern Family? Best written show on TV, absolutely hilarious. Uh, uh, Sophia Vergara, she's my gimme, by the way. And the old guy from Married with Children. It, 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 that's what happens in real life. And whenever women ask me, well, what would you think if you saw some older woman who was with some young guy? I would think, what's wrong with that guy? Because that's not human nature. Is that being mean? I'm not trying to be mean. Is that being 
uh, sexist. I'm not trying to be sexist. I'm just trying to be honest. That's how the world really works. Guys are genetically driven to plant seeds, and women are genetically driven to nurture the product of the seed once it's been planted. That's just the world. And so (laughs) I love the part where Amy says uh, in a response when Stella says, so I'm 55, I'm overweight, I have short hair. Do I have to change if I want to be in a relationship with a man? And and Amy's answer is, well, yeah. <laughs> if you want a guy, yes, you're going to have to change. Well, guys don't have to change. No, guys have to get jobs and be productive and do something worthwhile. We have uh, we have other things that we bring to the table. Josh is on News Radio 1067. Good morning, Josh. Hey, good morning, Michael. Hey. Man, for one, I'm gonna start with saying what I tell my wife, and it makes her mad all the time. Men get distinguished. Men get distinguished with age. Women just get old. Yeah, I, I, I hate to say it. True. I hate to say it, but this is—I can't even believe this is almost news now. When it's instinct, <laughs> I mean, can you help who you're attracted to? If somebody's big, fat, and overweight, I'm not attracted to them, but some people are. That's right. Women are upset. I mean, you don't like it, your parents, but how can you get upset or say something sexist when it's human nature? I can't help it. I'll find you attractive, but it's. Now, no, I'm not being sexist. Okay, I agree, with, I, I agree with you that it is human nature. Now, let me ask you, Josh, do you agree with me that when it comes to certain parts of human nature, like guys who want to, you know, jump on everything that moves, choosing instead to be committed to one person, that it's our job to try to rise above human nature to some degree and be our better selves? Do you agree with that? Man, that is that very well said because, you know, we have things that tempt us and everything in life. That's right. part of it's part of knowing being moralic and standing up for what you believe is right. Too. Just, you're going to be attracted to human nature. To I'm attracted to women on a daily basis. Absolutely. I, made a commitment I love my wife, and I'm going to stick to my commitment and go against that. But and, and go against it is the magic word. And so I would say, Josh, that that gives some credence to women's arguments. Well, if you can choose to be monogamous, even though that's not your nature, why can't you choose to set aside what you see when you see a woman and try to find the more attractive person inside of her. Pat, you're on the air with Michael Graham. Go right ahead, please. Hello, Mike. Hi, Pat. Hey, how you doing, Mike? Fine, great. I listen to your show all the time. I think it's a really great show. <laughs> and since apparently they took Chris Clock off the air, I'm not sure why. You're, you're a good replacement for him. You, you remember Chris Clock, right? Uh, dude, I have, you have totally lost me uh, utterly, but thank you very much for... Uh... Being part of the show, so much talk, so little time. I'm Michael Graham. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.